You're listening to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington podcast. Take a moment to center yourself in this space and enjoy this week's sermon. Well, it is good to be together again. We're going to do something a little different today trying to think of Interdependence Day. So I'm going to need some help. And um, if you want to come back up here, you just want to raise your hand here. We're going to write a blessing together for summer. What do we love about summer? What do we love about the natural world? What do we love about interdependence, which means that everything relies on everything? What do we love about that? And then we're going to try our best. You know, Unitarian Universalists, um, can be pretty good at uh, responsive reading sometimes, but it's going to be real simple. Um, we give thanks for the sun. Can we try that together? We give thanks for the sun. Oh, oh nice. Cool. Um, so I, I got to volunteer right here. Any, anyone else want to help me write this blessing? And you can, from the Maynard family. From the Maynard family. Yes. All right. Come on down. You can come on down. Adults, too. We're going we're gonna to do our best if you want to help me write this little blessing. If not, it means I'm going in the congregation <laughs> and calling on folks. <laughs> Who else? Come on down. All right. Let's help out here. Okay, cool. So let's talk about what we love about summer here. And front row, I might invite you to be a part of this too. So you can you can escape now um, if you, oh oh no no we're oh, we're gonna let one of our younger folks start first um, so what do you love about summer flowers the flowers and we say together we give thanks for the sun yes Susan I'm gonna make my way down here How, what do you love about summer I love all the butterflies and bees that visit the flowers. Oh, wonderful. And we say together in blessing, we give thanks for the sun. Shirley, did you have anything? Oh, let's do it again. Flowers. And we give thanks for the sun. Yes. All right. How about Charles? I like the spear fishing. Spear fishing. Yes. Fishing, recreation, being outdoors. Fishing, it's a lot of fun. I do enjoy that. Yes, for fishing, for being outdoors. I like that. And what do we say together in blessing? We give thanks for the sun. I'll make my way back to you. Hold on. We're almost there. All right, what do we have? What do you love about summer? Swimming in the pool. Swimming in the pool. And how about you? The garden. The garden and swimming in the pool. Say together, we give thanks for the sun. All right, you were chomping at the bit. Real quick, what do we love about summer? Three things. Um, watermelon. Watermelon. Strawberries. Strawberries. And humidity. (laughs) Some people love it. For all three things, together we say, we give thanks for the sun. All right, I'm coming over here. What do you love about summer? do our traditional trip to the beach. Traditional trip to the beach. Wonderful. Together we say, we give thanks to the sun. All right, you have one. All right. The rain that helps the flowers grow. Yes, that's wonderful. I I think we would say we give thanks for the rain this time, right? All right, let's do that. We give thanks for the rain. Yes. All right. 
Do you all have any? Okay, all right, cool. What do we love about summer? Fireflies. Yeah. Oh, that's going to tie in later beautifully. Yes, yes, for fireflies. Yes, and how about you, George? I really appreciate the long days. The long days and fireflies. Ripe tomatoes. Ripe tomatoes. Yeah, let's, all right. Come on, keep it going. <laughs> Shade. 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 Let's add more to this blessing. All the fresh vegetables. Yes. Anything else? Hmm? Oh, yes. Yes. Peaceful nights. Another one? Um, the, the nice fresh grass. Oh, the nice fresh grass. Yes. AJ, you're in the front row. A cool breeze. A cool breeze. Who would like the last word? Oh, 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 here we go. Tie-dye. The tie-dye shirts you made. Yes, wonderful. For this and for so many other things, we give thanks for the sun. All right, you can go back to your seats if you like. You can hang out up here if you want to. That's cool. Um, <laughs> I think it's important for all of us to take notice of what we do give thanks for, what we do appreciate in life. Even if it's a little tiny thing, fireflies, little tiny fireflies to give thanks for them, or shade, or tie-dye, strawberries, whatever it is. There is so much happening in our world that could weigh us down, that could make us not want to get up in the morning. But if we just say, thank you for the things we enjoy, it won't fix everything. It won't, but at least give us some energy, some hope for the day ahead, one day at a time, one day, one moment at a time. Tradition. I want to shift gears completely, though, to uh, another one of our religious and spiritual sources. And you may, well, there's a hint. It's the natural world. We've been talking about that this morning, um, but it has to do with the moon. And who knows what moon is coming up? There's something special coming up. There's a super moon, and do you know the name of the super moon? I haven't heard, I heard a wolf moon, not, not that. It's the buck moon. Yes. And the reason it's called the buck moon is because for a lot of the indigenous tribes, especially in this region, they saw that this was the time when the bucks their horn, their antlers were in full growth. That's why they call it the buck moon. Now, a lot of indigenous traditions look to the what's happening in the, in, the, in the seasons and name things after that. So this would be the buck moon. But for another tribe in another part of our country, the Cree, they call it the feather molting moon because the feathers are molting. For the Tlingit, they call it the salmon moon because the salmon have returned home in that particular part of the stream. For the Anishinaabe, they call it the berry moon because the berries are starting to get ripe. For the Dakota people, they say it's the moon when the chokeberries are ripe. It's very specific. <laughs> For the Cherokee, it's the moon of the ripe corn. 
for the Algonquin, the raspberry moon. What do you think? Well, in Chicago, where our new house is, we have blackberries in our backyard. Yes. You know, I grew up in Chicago, and we had blackberries too. And this was the time of blackberries in Chicago. This would be the blackberry moon in Chicago. For the Abenaki, it's the thunder moon. Because that was last night. <laughs> For the Abenaki. I love looking to earth traditions because they tell us about people, about what they believe, what they feel, how they view the world, how they communicate. And there's something that's really wonderful about indigenous traditions. And it, it, you don't have to say, oh, yes, I believe in these gods or goddesses or anything like that. You look at what the, the, the heart is behind beliefs. And so here's a great example is that specifically Aboriginal people of Australia, of which there are dozens of tribes. It's not just the Aborigines. There are dozens of tribes. The one I'm most in intimately familiar with is the Wurundjeri people of Victoria, Melbourne, Australia. The Wurundjeri people, and they've done studies on indigenous peoples across the planet. You can put them in a room with no windows and they know which way is north, which way is south, east, west. Which way is north? Any descent? <laughs> cool. We can figure out the rest. East, south, west. Wonderful. Could you do that in a room without windows? I know I couldn't. I could not tell you. I think the lesson for us there is to look to these traditions and to realize there's a great wisdom that is available for anybody. And it could just be the simple act of going, this is the time of the apple moon because the apples are falling off of the tree on the driveway as you drive up to the church. This is the apple moon for UUCL, right? It's one of them, there's a lot of names for that. Or what birds are you seeing right now? Robins. Robins, yes. Robins, I saw indigo buntings. This is the indigo moon for me. It could be the indigo morning. It could be the indigo evening. It could be the evening of the fireflies because the fireflies are emerging in mass. So earth-centered traditions have a lot to tell us. And I got some things to show you here about earth-centered traditions. Um, and um, well, not this right here, but so who's familiar with Wicca, paganism, those kinds of traditions? You, you, Unitarian Universalists have a lot of folks that come from those traditions in them. I saw a lot of hands. I know a lot of you have practiced in many ways. And the reason Unitarian Universalism is inspired by these traditions has to do with the women's movement in the 1980s in Unitarian Universalism, saying that we believe in a different kind of spirituality that isn't just rooted in Western ideology and philosophy, right? We believe in a more intuitive religious tradition that uses a lot of symbols and ritual. And so one cool symbol here, I'm gonna show you all, you, you all up front here, you get like to see exactly, you don't get the, I have to hold on to this here. One symbol in earth Center traditions is a knife. And the knife represents fire, which I think is really cool because it means fire can be destructive, but you can direct it to a point's edge and control, control the passion, control the rage, control the fire of transformation, right? 
it, you have to be careful too, because fire will burn you. The blade will cut you. Another symbol is to draw either symbols on the floor. Sometimes it's a pentagram. Sometimes it's another symbol. It could be a Celtic symbol. It could be something like that. And really, that's a reminder that the ground you're on is holy. It represents earth. This is sacred ground. Stay grounded is the message. Another really interesting one is I had to steal a twig from a tree. But what could, what could this be? Someone saw me outside doing this, but what, what could this be? A wand. Yeah, a wand. There we go. Yeah, expecto patronum. You know, and there we go. Um, a wand. Is, does this look like a wand? Kind of, right? It, it, we, could, we could sand it down and make it prettier. And the wand represents air. And in earth-centered traditions, air is often that which is something we can't see, something we can't name, but it, when you feel that inspiration or awe and wonder or you see something beautiful, you don't know where that comes from, but it just comes, and it represents air. Another one, chalice. What element did I leave out? I talked about fire, air, earth. What else? Water, yes, this represents water. And in certain traditions, it's very specific. The water means that we all come from the earth. It's a womb, right? We're all born of the earth and we'll return to the earth in a little chalice here. I asked Susan Cohn to help me by showing another representation of water here, which is the goddess. Um, and I'm, I'm not gonna break it, Susan, I promise. Oh my God, oh my, oh my goddess. Um, all right. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, her head fell off. <laughs> All right. Susan's going to help, and I'll hold on to the head here. But the goddess in Earth-centered traditions, there's so many different types of gods. I have other ones up there that represent the moon and the sun, but the goddess really reminds us of that water element, of that earth element, of that fire element, that air element, that we're all part of the elements of earth. This is really cool, right? You don't have to go, yes, I do believe in that goddess, or you can, but we all come from one source. And that's a very Unitarian Universalist idea. We all come from nature. We all come from one source. And many people have different symbols and ideas about what that means. And that's a wonderful, beautiful thing. Thank you. I'm sorry, the, the whole, okay. All right. Um, so that's just a little glimpse into one of our very important sources is Unitarian Universalists, which is Earth-centered traditions. And Earth-centered tradition could be Wicca. It could be modern Druidry. Uh, it could be some people love the Norse gods and goddesses. It could just be naturalism, which has no supernatural understanding whatsoever. It could even be some types of humanism, right? It's all about centering us in the natural world right here. This morning's reading is titled, O oh Earth, by the American Trappist monk, writer, theologian, mystic, poet, social activist, and scholar of comparative religion, Thomas Merton. How long we wait with minds as quiet as time, like centuries on a tower, how long we watch by night like the astronomers. O oh Earth, O oh Earth, when will we hear you sing? 
arising from our grassy hills and say, the dark is done and day laughs like a bridegroom in his tent, the lovely sun, his tent, the sun, his tent, the smiling sky. How long we wait with minds as dim as ponds while stars swim slowly homeward in the water of our west. O oh, earth, when will we hear you sing? How long we listened to the silence of our vineyards and heard no birds stir in the rising barley. The stars go home behind the shaggy trees, our minds as gray as rivers. O oh, earth, when will you wake in the green wheat and all our Trappist cedars sing? Bright land, lift up our leafy gates. You abbey steeple, sing with bells. For look, our sun rejoices like a dancer on the rim of our hills. In the blue west, the moon is uttered like a word farewell. This was O Earth by Thomas Merton. One of my favorite things to do when I was younger, but even still today, is to catch fireflies. And I'm so glad someone brought up fireflies. <laughs> Thank you, Carrie. So fireflies are really cool. And I'm going to tell you a few things that you may not know about fireflies. So they're nocturnal. Did you know that there's 2000 different kinds of fireflies on six continents? Six continents. They're like, yes, you know a lot. This is great. How about you, Charles? Okay. You caught seven. That's amazing. I love catching fireflies. They're so cool. So their their light is poison. Yes. So what? Sometimes, if you've ever caught a firefly, they'll leave a little puddle on your hand, and it doesn't smell very good. And it's a poisonous blood that they throw up to keep people away <laughs> and other things away. So they do that. I, I know we're really excited. I, yeah. Um, so they throw up this little poisonous blood. They want to keep predators away. And so what were you going to say? Oh, the micro. Okay. You don't like the microphone. All right. They do. They have, they have many legs, too. All right. So I'm going to share a few more things with everybody about the fireflies real quick. All right. Can, let's hear about some of these. So you know they have a yellow light, right? But did you know some have a blue light? They have a blue light, and they're called the blue ghost firefly. And you can find them mostly in Appalachia. North Carolina is where the most blue ghost fireflies can be seen. And they're called blue ghosts because you walk through the forest at night and it looks like a blue light is emerging. And one of them doesn't, does never grows wings and they just stay on the ground. And it's this blue light going through the ground while the other ones are flying around, little pockets of blue light appearing everywhere. There's other wonderful things about fireflies. Their life cycle is mostly spent underground underground one to two years underground and only a couple weeks in the air very short life they when they finally emerge from the ground 
Yes, but two, up to two years underground. And right now, there's not many of them under there, but in the winter time, the ground beneath us is just pulsing with light. Isn't that really cool? This is before they grow wings. And the little larvae will bump up against each other and just pulse, pulse, pulse. So what do you, what do you got? It's like they, it's like they hibernate as a baby. Yes, they do. They hibernate as a baby. So I think fireflies are just really amazing. So I've caught some fireflies here for you. Not really, but here we go here. You can take a look at some fireflies here if you want. They're right up here. Yes, I know. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to finish telling folks about the fireflies, and we're all going to just, we're going to, you can look at the fireflies right there. So the life cycle of the fireflies is mostly underground, and it's really wonderful. All right, so how about we all just take a breath? All right? There we go. All right. Anyway, the last thing I want to tell you about this, and then we'll sing another song here, is that it's the most efficient light in the world. 100% efficient light. The light bulbs above us and throughout our building might be 80% heat, 20% light. Fireflies are 100% light. 100% light. And it's fueled by something called luciferase. If you notice the similarity in words, something else, <laughs> luciferase, an enzyme that produces 100% efficient light. All right, Sally's going to lead us in a song that's going to be around, and then we're going we're gonna to close out our service with an offering and some announcements. You all can go back to your seats now. Thank you so much for all your questions. Thank you so much. All right, let's go find your mom. All right, let's go find your mom. Thank you, thank you, thank you. hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.ucl.org, where you can find more information about our grounds, staff, and upcoming events. You can also subscribe to our e-news there and learn about our virtual service offerings. We'll see you next week.